Hey, hey, Monkeys fans. That's right. No intro song today. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know why. Uh, about a week ago, for us, it's a week and a day ago, uh, we've heard the news that Mr. Mike Nesmith uh, passed away. And um, I, for me, it was quite a shock. Sorry, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Chris Paco, one of your hosts. Uh, I'm your other host, Jeff Cameron. Yes, sorry. I uh, just got right into this. It's a He's over too overcome with grief for formalities. It's pretty true, man. I uh I did not know this was coming. We um so hold on, we'll, we'll talk about today's show is just kind of going to be almost just a reaction show to the news. Um what we think about Mike, what Mike meant to us, and then we'll go through some of his tunes and so uh it's going to be a somber Valley Sunday today, I think. But not too somber, because I don't think Mike would want us to just be uh, completely bummed out and weasely about it. It's true, yeah. Mike was seemed seemed like uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time mm-hmm. kind of guy. Yeah. and Especially his last uh, decade or so, when he's kind of made peace with uh, the monkeys and everything about it. Exactly. And that's one thing um, I always thought with Mike, because growing up, we got into the monkeys in like the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And you just always knew Mike wasn't going to be a part of anything at that point that, anyway. It was kind of understood, yes. Yeah. And so you just thought he was kind of prickly about the whole thing. And then they did the the Justice album and TV show. Which and he, was a delightful surprise considering when we got into the Monkees. 100%. And, and our, our craziest, wildest dreams was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool? If Mike got back together with the boys and they made a record and they were all singing it and they were all writing it, man, that'd be a blast, wouldn't it? And there it was. There it was. And uh, then the reaction to Justice uh, from the public wasn't super positive, I don't believe. No, it's true. And uh, occasionally Mike would take it upon himself to uh, write to the publications and rebut their reviews. So I think it kind of... That kind of contributed to Mike kind of having, re-having little to do with the monkeys. Exactly. For a while. Yeah, he he stepped back again, and then it was the three of them out on tours and this kind of thing. But like you said, within the past 10 years or so, <clears throat> you're right, it, it's a good way of saying it. He kind of just kind of accepted it and came to terms with what the monkeys was and what it was to him and what he was to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm very glad that Mike, um, in the past, in the last 10 years or five years or whatever, came back to it and embraced it and was happy with it and, uh, came, came to peace with it essentially. Cause it's yeah. much better than if he went down kicking and screaming about it and never came to terms <laughs> with it. For real. Like if I'm getting the timeline, right? Like I think we both follow video ranch 3d online and, uh, at the time, Mike had gone back on the road for the first time in a long time with a uh, first national band. Mm-hmm. So, and then one day Mickey came to see him backstage, and they probably had a good chat. And that's kind of when the whole the ball started rolling for the Mike and Mickey show, and just them two doing it again. Yeah, and um, to go back when we saw them, we did not see them on the farewell tour, as we've uh, been lamenting. Don't get us started. Uh, yeah. But when we did see them, I remember going in thinking, what's Mike going to be like? I thought he might just be on there trying to like, not that he needed it, but just like earn a paycheck and go through the songs and kind of make it seem like he didn't want to be there. But it was the complete opposite. He, oh yeah, he was uh, totally into it and uh, seemed genuinely happy. And and they they both seemed like, like wow, these people really like this show. They kept like... Because the cheers got pretty loud at some points, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. And, and for Mike, he says it's his first time back in Canada since like 1968 or something like that. Yeah, for real. And uh, and, and it was so fantastic, and he sounded so great because you knew Mickey was going to sound great because Mickey always sounds great. Mickey is like the consummate professional in the monkeys. This, now, this now is, that Dave, this is what he does exactly, like, pretty much all the time. But when Mike came out, 
with gusto and singing so well and being so engaged with the audience and seeming oh, yeah. to be so happy to be there and playing those songs. It was mm-hmm. such a great surprise to me, to be honest. <laughs> and the fact that we did get to speak to Mike Nesmith, like face to face over Zoom, of course, not in breathing the same air, but <laughs> that's something it's definitely going to be with me feeling truly privileged to have had that time. Like, for both of us, I think we both left those conversations feeling like we could probably go hang out at his house with him. Like he made us feel <laughs> like we were friends with him by the end of that conversation. I was like, next Absolutely. time in California, by I'm the, dropping him a line. By the beginning of that conversation, it felt like he was he was your pal and he was happy to see you. And um, it was just super special. And um, unfortunately, we, we don't get... To, we don't get to use my conversation here on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, here's me being denied use of Mike's of my conversation with Mike on the podcast. As you probably remember, me and Paco do a podcast called uh, Podcast Valley Sunday. Yeah. Is it okay if we use our parts of our chat today on that? No, I'm sorry. He bent the rules last time for Paco. I'm sorry. We can't do it a second time. It's not fair. Okay, understood. But I'm usually like... Uh... Uh, don't meet your heroes kind of guy because uh, it's bound to not go great mm-hmm. typically if you because you find out yeah they're real people or too real or too unreal or whatever but Mike Nesmith meeting him was just perfect it, and like <clears throat> as far as someone who actually is kind of among my heroes in terms of what he does and how he does it it's like it was very cool to meet him and a happy and a happy I did. Yeah. And yeah, with him it was a very again, going into that, it was supposed to be ten to fifteen minutes. And I was like, okay, is he just gonna be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, right away, he was like with us, with me, I remember first thing he just said was like he first like, have we met each other? before and i'm like no we haven't he's like i didn't think so because i'd remember that fabulous mustache chris how are you hi how are you doing pretty good have we met uh no not yet this is our this is our first time i would have remembered because of that astounding outstanding mustache (laughs) (laughs) and then right there i was like okay cool and then we were buddies like smoking weed and hanging out and talking about the beatles (laughs) Yeah, for real. And um, my conversation with him was a bit more niche, more about like studio stuff and being a musician. And it was extremely cool. And just just hearing what he had to say about it, stuff I had never heard about before or thought about, and just uh, stuff unique to his experiences was truly wild. Yeah. Oh, the worst was like sort of catching myself talking about him right in front of him. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That's you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Remember, yeah, with, with talking to him about like being at a day in the life recording with the Beatles and like talking to him about being all these people talk about the 60s or the Beatles or this or that or the other thing. But like he was in it, like he was in the middle of it. And like, what is that like when he heard other people talking about that time? Like it's a mystical time. But for him, it was like, well, no, that was. That's my life. I was at John Lennon's house and I stayed there and all that kind of stuff was just so rad. And he was just so open and cool. And yeah, he was exactly how I wanted a conversation with Mike to be like, not how I expected a conversation to be like, if that makes sense. Yeah, man. Likewise. Absolutely. And it comes down to when I spoke with Mickey over Zoom, that was where you could see the, uh, he's a professional meet and greeter. You know what I mean? Like, it was a great conversation. I really liked talking with him, and it was cool. But it was very – I wasn't going to surprise him with any questions, essentially. (laughs) It's true. He's he's been asked it all. He's always always meeting fans because he's always, you know, pre-pandemic, always, always on the road, it seems. Yeah, yeah. And he's been associated himself with the monkeys the whole time. Like, he's never really deviated. He's never put the monkeys at arm's length from him. He's always been it's like, true. no, man, I'm I'm fine with being known as being one of the monkeys. Whereas the musicians of Mike and Peter, I feel, kind of had to be like, well, now I can't be taken seriously as a musician, so I've got to push this out of, to the side and let people see that I'm, no, 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 I'm more than the monkeys. But <laughs> It's true, yeah. They felt compelled to sit it out here and there, but 
Mickey kind of is the bearer of the monkey's name, pretty much. Well, definitely now, being the final one. I suppose so. On this, I'm not on FB no more, but I do have the gram, and every band that I follow, every like creative person, seemed to hop in with a memorial for Mike. It's like, one, wow, yeah, one hundred percent. I was shocked at how much love was thrown out there for Mike Nesmith. Oh, oh yeah, and of course I was like. How come y'all ain't listening to the podcast? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. That's like when I was, whenever I was like commenting on things, I always wanted to be like, and if you care, <laughs> you have a podcast. I'm like, nah, not the time or place, but, no, but also it was not. the perfect time but, and place, but I just couldn't do it. I, I, I couldn't, but I think but Mike would have thought it was people, hilarious. But the type we, of people are into the monkeys and like posting about it and like, oh, Mike's my favorite monkey. Like these are always the coolest people you've ever heard of. Yeah. It's, it says a lot. Yeah, it really does. And yeah, there's so many great like top 12 best Mike Nesmith songs, like not even like monkey songs. And they get into <laughs> First National Band and they get into like pushing into the 80s and stuff like that. And and it always gets brought up. He like, quote unquote, invented the music video. Yep. And created and quote unquote MTV. invented country rock. Yep. Yeah. Created MTV, created country rock, created music videos. It's like he I read in an interview too, it was in Rolling Stone a few years ago, but he talked about uh he was doing country rock to first national band and then on his own. And then the Eagles come out and have like the biggest album in the world. And he said like he couldn't even say the word Eagles. Because he was just like, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, this is what I'm doing too. And how come I, no one's paying attention to me doing this? Yeah, his, that, that part was a drag. Yeah. And it is. And, but it's true. It's very, very weird how how that happened. And, 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 and I wonder what Mike's life would have been like without his mom inventing liquid paper. Right. Because he did have the financial freedom for the rest of his life to do these weird projects, to do a music video and no one's heard of it, to do all these things rather than be like, how am I paying the bills? Or would he have been more involved with the monkeys throughout the years? Because it would have been more Dolan's, like Dolan's Jones Nesmith voice and heart yeah. going on to her. <laughs> it's like Nesmith tor- Torque voice and heart in like a different <laughs> reality. Oh, man. I'd like to hear Mike sing Moonfire. Oh, dude. That'd be wild. <laughs> it would be wild. One thing I did do is at the end of uh, my shift that Friday, when like I walk home, I put on uh, Mike's book, Infinite Tuesday. I have the audio book of it. Oh, yeah. And it's Mike reading it himself. And uh, it's a great book. Like If you read it or listen to it, it's, it's a great book. And it's written so Nez-like. <laughs> and if you do get to listen to it, it's just fantastic to hear him reading it because it's like you're sitting there hanging out with Mike and just the way he talks and the way he thinks. And it also shows his circle of friends. Yes, yes. It was very cool. And just his whole life, like there's only about a chapter that really pertains to the monkeys, but you don't even notice because he's just uh, dishing out wisdom and kind of touching on a lot of the parts of his life he didn't didn't really hear about Mm -hmm. around uh just in general monkey fandom yeah all right so we uh we're gonna go over some of our favorite mike moments from the show that we've done so far we're gonna do flash ahead to a couple that we know are coming so we're just gonna talk about them briefly yeah we just we just remember them because they're memorable yeah they're so fantastic and uh, I think first we could talk about well his first encounter with a, a camera at the Monkees, uh, his audition, which uh, appears at the end of the pilot episode, which aired 10th, I think, in the running order. Yep. And uh, they stuck a couple of the boys' auditions on the end to fill out the episode. And uh, just seeing how comfortable Mike was in the audition, being silly right away, Checking his hair in the picture like it's a mirror, and it was just so cool. And he's just so easy going and has such an easy time performing in front of the camera. And he's the only one who actually got hired through that massive, famous casting call in the paper for 400 dudes showed up to audition for these four parts. The rest of the guys got in through connections, but Mike actually 
went through the process. Tell us what your name is. My name is Michael Blessing. No, I want to hear the truth. No, that's it. I'm telling you, it's a pseudonym. How did you get to Nesmith? Well, uh, Nesmith is my real name. Well, how did you get to Blessing? It's a pseudonym. How did you have to pick Blessing? Well, uh, why are you asking me that? It's <laughs> weird. Get on something else. <laughs> <laughs> You're right with talking about how uh, relaxed he is. And he just seems to have, he's having such a, it's almost like he feels the show's auditioning for him. <laughs> it's a good attitude to take towards life. A hundred percent, man. He's just like, uh, oh, Michael Blessing. Oh, what's yeah. that? What's well, a pseudonym? <laughs> that was the first time I ever heard the word pseudonym. And I thought it was a pseudo name. I thought that's what pseudo he was saying. Name. But uh, yeah, he does that. He, he, and he's all stoked to be on the Farmer's Daughter set. Like his his naivete and excitement is oozing through him. Yep. And uh, he's the one, uh, as far as like first season Mike to second season Mike, it looks like three or four years went by in that time. Because <laughs> in the first one, he's got like his hair short, he's got the, you know, the hat on, he's like got the skinny everything, this and that. And then by the second one, he's got like the swoopy hair with the big sideburns, <laughs> the glasses, he's always in the suits. Yeah, and it's a it's it's a, an amazing transformation, and I've yeah, got to say, for me, Mike Nesmith is the coolest looking. To me, I think I'm I think I'm with you there. Yeah, and um, he gets more and more serious with the suit. Yeah, <laughs> the like the tie look, like him and the business are are duking it out, and he he seems to kind of mature a lot. Like it's, I think it's important to him to be taken seriously. Yes. And it, it comes through with the way he carries himself and eventually, you know, phase out the hat mm-hmm. and just just be cool, you know? Yeah. And that's why when he, in second season, when he's being zany and wacky, it almost makes it funnier because he does seem like the serious one. And then you see yeah. him almost being the most comedic and the most, um, like, actory out of all of them. <laughs> He can really embrace uh, being the actor for being the one who's almost like the least amount of actor. Right. And especially even in season one, when it was time to give a big speech, it was usually Mike, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was the the voice of reason guy. Yeah. He was the leader. That's one thing I read in all of these things when they talk about Mike's role in the monkeys was he was the leader of the monkeys. <laughs> I suppose it's true. Just, just by the way of doing that stuff. Like, if if, if a plan is going to be hatched, they're going to look to Mike to see if it's going to be able to be pulled off. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, Zen. and also that uh, that dubbed line that oh wow, are you ready for this? Oh wow, are you ready for this? I don't know what happened there, but that's just <laughs> he comes out with that voice every now and then on the show. I think in the <laughs> you with the hat. <laughs> There's I forget what episode I think it was uh, the the bank robber episode where they watched a movie that they made but yeah. they're in it because they robbed the bank. But he starts screaming at the lady with the tall hat in front of him. Oh my god, it's so funny. Why are you gonna hat? Hey, you you better hat. I know honestly that moment should probably be on this list because that is a the classic Mike yelling makes me laugh. <laughs> So hard Definitely. every time. It's like when Dave Chappelle yells, it just makes me laugh. Whenever Mike yells, <laughs> it makes same me kind laugh. of thing for it, sure. It's just got that that tenor in it or something that is amazing. I think I was mentioning it to Jeff. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but in the the and Andrew Sandoval's book, the the day by day in the life of the monkeys, uh, they talk about how they showed the show, the pilot, and it didn't go over very well. But when they added the auditions to the end of it. People loved it, and that's oh, what wow. got the so the show sold to NBC was yeah. the the auditions being added because then you knew the guys and like how we said like we love the auditions being at the end yeah, of man. it and I guess we're not the only ones because that's how those auditions are how we know who the monkeys are now. It's the power of charisma, dudes. Exactly. All right. So uh, next next uh, one on our list here to go back and check out is a. Uh, the episode Monkey versus Machine, when Mike comes out, he comes rolling in on that chair right at you, like right at the camera, as if we're the machine. And that, that might be our first taste of uh, freewheeling Mike Nesmith. What is your name? Nesmith. What's yours? What? 
Thank you, Mr. Watt. What's your first name? It's not Watt. Mr. Not Watt Watt. And what is your occupation? This this episode rolls up as like a Peter episode where Pete's trying to get the job and has a not so good interview with this uh, computer. Then Mike kind of literally rolls in and just takes right over. Yeah, and that's another part where you see Mike being the leader. Like, Peter gets pushed around by this robot, and Mike's like, well, now, hold on a second. And then he rolls in there, and he he lays that robot right out with some just fantastic... He just starts spitting all these questions at the robot, and it doesn't know how to... Or I guess it's a computer. It's not a robot. What's the difference? But uh, he, uh, he starts throwing all these questions back at it, and it doesn't know how to handle them essentially and uh, <laughs> just blows up the famous monkeys explosion Yep, that goes on there. And I, yeah, there was a great moment of, of young Mike sliding in. And so, yeah, I guess we kind of jump ahead to uh, a more recent episode. We just recently watched where Mike is uh, talking on the phone and then ends up ripping the phone off the wall. I said, are you sure that it's not listed? Are you sure that it's not? Are you sure it's not listed, operator? It's very important. That's so good. It's so fantastic. The whole scene is fantastic. And ripping the phone off the wall at the end is just like the cherry on top of this hilarity Sunday that Mike is uh, scooping it's up the, for you. It was just a good uh, encapsulation of what's missing when Mike's not there for whatever reason on the show. Sure, they could put it on the show, but it's... You don't have that, you know, the Nesmith factor. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to even think about what that is. Like, what does he bring? Because he's, he's not like a professional comedian. He's just like one of your friends that's really funny. And you just <laughs> like hanging out with him. But he's not like, but um, kind of jokes. He's like, slide, he slides them in. Or he's yeah. super blatant with them. But even the blatantness is like a sneaky... Like underneath, there's another level under the blatantness that makes it hilarious. Definitely, yeah. And that's the Nesmith charm, I think. So a couple more episodes uh, coming up that are that have memorable Mike moments in them, and we'll get more in depth on their specific episodes of uh, Podcast Valley Sunday here. Um, when Mike is dressed up as a princess during the fairy tale episode, <laughs> it's off. Sideburns everywhere, <laughs> and more more of Mikey yelling. I have loved you from afar, low these many moons. May I carry you across the mud? What? You carry me across the mud? <laughs> I'm a princess. You're nothing but a lowly little peasant, a wayward serf, the lowest of the low. So you've heard of me. I will honor your spine with a walk across it. Down, peasant. It's like, what's what's not to love about this portrayal of a princess? It's delightful. And Mike doesn't seem like the kind of dude to be easy to get dressed up in drag, but yeah. <laughs> he uh, he goes for it, for sure. He really does. And I, I believe in the, in the commentaries for this episode, too, they're saying like he was not, he wasn't super excited to be in drag, but he, he wasn't like, I'm not doing it. But... Uh, <laughs> Like, how many dresses have they thrown Mickey into? Like, the yeah. big one for the team, Mike. Exactly. I think that's what it came down to. And I and they also said they were going to try to get a beautiful woman to be the princess. And then they were like, you know what? It'd be way funnier if it was Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and so oh, Mike throws right. the dress. And they're right. And Mike is hilarious in it. Like, I can remember looking ahead to this episode, the fairy tale episode. And I was like, oh, man, I don't think I really dig that episode from what I just like my knee jerk reaction to it. But then when I watched it, I was like, no, this is hilarious. It's for real. And it go it shows you where the second season is, is its own entity. Like they can go as far off the rails as they want to making like these cardboard or plywood sets. Oh yeah. It's like a, like a high school play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and because of that, it's almost like, you know, Hey, we're we're in town. We got a barn. Let's put on a show, kind of thing. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, and so Mike playing the princess for it just adds to the the greatness of what that episode is. If it was a pretty girl, it wouldn't have that episode. Would be like, okay, yeah, cool. But because yep. it was Mike being the princess, and and the way he plays it too, it's like he's trying to be a lady. You know what I mean? He's not mm-hmm. trying to put on any hairs. <laughs> and that's what makes it. And that's what. And that's another Nesmith thing like well yeah you can be dressed up as well. like okay i'll do it but i'm gonna 
talk like this. <laughs> You're gonna see my sideburns, <laughs> and that's how we're doing. Like this. It, would, it wouldn't come off the same if it was Peter in the dress, or, or whatever, right? Or any of them, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, another good one coming up, and I think it's the second last episode of the series itself is the lengthy cold open with Mike as Frank Zappa and Frank Zappa as Mike. Hello, I'm Mike Nesmith, and I'm one of the monkeys. Tonight, as my guest on this wonderful television program, which has done so much for all of you young people out there, I have as my special guest none other than Frank Zappa. Hi, kids. Hi, Mike. Hi. It's really, it's really a pleasure to be here. It is? For sure, one of my favorite episodes of the show, for sure, ever. I think for me, this was this wasn't the first time I knew I'd heard of Frank Zappa. Oh, <laughs> you and a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah, but for this is the first time where I was kind of like, oh wow, he's. I knew he was a rock and roll guy. I knew he was in bands. That's yeah. all, I knew the name, but I, and I knew what he looked like just because you saw him on different things. But it's the first time I ever from, from uh, guitar magazines and things. Exactly, exactly. And and this was the first time when I saw him, I was like, "You you instantly understand, like, oh, he's a bit different, isn't he?" <laughs> and they play the, the the Mothers of Invention song in the background too, and and uh, Mike's nose keeps falling off. He has the big, <laughs> huge Frank Zappa nose, and whenever he puts it on, he like snorts it on. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it's just a fantastic thing and it's and again that's where you see the monkeys weren't looked upon as like a jokey cartoon band by real bands like real bands i think understood what the monkeys were they were a show yeah, about yeah. a band and then they got they kind of exploded out of the tv and then there were real people and I think the people who knew them and were in on the joke, quote unquote, got it. Like Frank Zappa. Like if the monkeys were looked as like a bubblegum band, I don't think Zappa would have been like, yeah, let's do this thing and I'll be you and you be me and then I'll conduct you in smashing a car. <laughs> I like what um, Frank, as Mike said, after the monkeys, he was going to join the birds. You know that after I quit the show, I'm going to join the birds, don't you? <laughs> No, I didn't know that. When you quit the mothers, who are you going to join? I may join the birds, too. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was based on a conversation they had had about the birds, similar to the eagles, which started doing exactly what Mike Nesmith had been doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's there's a couple of points, too, where like you can see them break down. Like, how, how could you not? What the fuck? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Because Frank's got, you know, the... Uh, the t- the wool hat on and everything, so it's like a throwback mic. Even it's not even like <laughs> the mic now. Yep. And yeah, that was a that was a great great thing. Just yeah, to see them together and to see this the looseness and yeah, it's fantastic. So um, so we're not going to be doing a wool hat of mystery today because uh, it just doesn't feel wool hat of mystery like this week. Not quite. Not quite. But we uh, we did discuss what to do about to go through Mike's songs, what we can talk about, and we came up with we're going to go through the top ten songs of Mike's in our countdown. Yeah. So if there's one you don't hear, either it's farther down the countdown or it's uh, it's still in the hat. Yeah. So save your letters. It might not be picked yet. That's right. <laughs> so uh, at the moment. And these are um, songs that were both written by Mike Nesmith and sung by Mike Nesmith. Yeah. And uh, so the number 10 on our countdown of Mike Nesmith songs is Magnolia Sims from Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys. This was a fun one when we found it on that tape, eh, Paco? Oh, definitely. It sounded so weird and <laughs> different because it sounds like that old recording, like like an old like gramophone. Yeah, so much so they had a, a warning on the on the sleeve. <laughs> yeah. that, Don't worry, folks. Your equipment is not messed up. That's just uh, we've made it sound like this, which just again shows off Mike's innovation and just. Uh, just ear for authenticity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Magnolia, 
Yeah, just so fantastic. And I, I actually, in, I don't know if you were reading all the Mike stuff, there'd be different links to different songs and stuff, but there was a Magnolia Sims um, that came before this, like years before this record. And it has oh, really? a different, it's like a cleaner sound. There's like no yodeling in it. There's no. Oh, okay. Love to me is blue, white, and blonde. Oh, it's sweet Magnolia. And I've got to say, I, I much prefer the Magnolia Sims that we got on the album. Oh, yeah. Because it's got that. You just got it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, he has a couple false starts at the beginning. Yeah, it's, that, that's fun. Doom, ba, doom, boom. Uh, uh. <laughs> Just one of those days. Spot on, Paco, as always. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, I really like Magnolia Sims. It's a, a niche song, but also better than j- just being a niche song. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And it just shows the direction they were getting into by that album, Birds and the Bees and the Monkeys, where it was produced by the monkeys, but the the boys themselves were heading in different directions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was number 10, Magnolia Sims. At number nine, we got Sweet Young Thing. And it's love you bring, know that I can't deny. This is is like an OG Nesmith jam. Yeah, man. If I'm not mistaken, this is one of the two songs that are, but you got a a tune on each side of the first album. Yep. Yeah. And it was this one and uh, Papa Jean's Blues, I believe. Definitely. It was. Which which we might hear from later. Yeah. And I've got to say, man, for this one, this was one of my first Mike favorite songs. Like when we first started getting into the monkeys and stuff, and I heard Sweet Young Thing, I was like, whoa, look at this. It's got that yep. crazy Because sound right when it. we were getting into Mike Nesmith and the monkeys, also happened to be right when we were getting into um, figuring out how to play songs on guitars and anything that had two or three chords just banging away, were pretty easy to pick up on. And that's what this kind of song is. Yeah, it had that. That like has those fiddles in it at the beginning that almost sounds like like a, a garage rock band early distorted guitar. It's got that driving drum beat. It's almost like the snares are on the one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's a yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's a fantastic song, and it showed. Two things. One, that Mike Nesmith could write songs, but also Mike showed that he could get on a Monkees album with his own music. That's right. And the tune made it into the show. It's like even just hearing it, just thinking about hearing it in my head, I could see Davey with the phone in his mouth and Mike singing into it. They're all crowded around the phone booth. Yeah. Jamming out the song. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's a. Uh... It, it, it's a big song. That and Papa Jean's Blues are both big songs just because just Nesmith squeaking those two songs on that first record mm-hmm. allowed the monkeys to pry open the door to taking over what happens on the subsequent records. Not, not right after, but post more of the monkeys. I think just for uh, rock and roll in general, it was kind of a big deal for this manufactured band of a dude who's not supposed to get songs on there, get songs on there. Yeah. And just for like performers, rights, just 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 the whole deal. It was I think it's pretty revolutionary. It really is. And I yeah, it probably gets washed over quite a bit, but it it definitely like like if they would have not chosen Mike to be in the monkeys and taken some actor who just wanted the role to be on TV, yeah. that they wouldn't have had a, one of the four guys put a song on the first record. So then they probably wouldn't have wanted to do that later on. And they probably, Don Kirshner would have still been owning the monkeys. <laughs> Show would still be on. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> yeah. Dino would have 
five gold records by now. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep switching out the dudes like on 60 Minutes. Yeah, exactly. Like Saturday Night Live. It's there just, we go. Just new people. There'd be like hip hop monkeys and then there'd be like Skrillex monkeys and but Mickey's there the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey's the Keenan Thompson. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, that's Sweet Young Thing by the Monkeys. Number nine. All these songs are by the Monkeys, by the way. <laughs> and number eight, we got Good Clean Fun. Old GCF, yo. There's a smile on the wind as it touches my face. Starts to erase all the bloom And the sun with a kiss Begins to dismiss The memory of my life without you Here we are again. I think this is our monkey's prison. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's on instant replay. But, um, oh, you know, it's a country mic tune. Not Country Mike from the Beastie Boys, but Country Mike Nesmith. And um, is, it jumped up a thousand sentimental points in my heart when he pl- let off the show with it in Toronto. And uh, he, he told us he'd come back and there he was. Yeah. And I, I remember that. That's what I remember. When he comes back, he's like, I told you I'd come back and here I am. And the whole crowd went nuts. For real. That was when I was like, this is going to be a time. Tonight is going to be a time. Because at first, it was. when they first opened with it, I was like, that's an interesting opener. And so I was like, I don't know what's happening here. But then it was obviously for that line. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when it showed, they put thought into this set list. It's not a same set list every day kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that was fantastic. Great tune, good times. And you're right, it, to me and you and to anyone at that show probably, whenever they hear this song now, it means more to them <laughs> than it did before that night. Absolutely. Uh, up to number seven, kind of a dark horse in the countdown and uh, one that probably finishes higher with us than it does with anybody else is Writing Wrongs, folks. Again, I love it. I love this song. And, uh, is Get it, back, Jack. Yeah. For me with this song, again, it comes back to discovering it on those tapes that I found at that secondhand store. I feel like yeah. if we did a mention of, see how many mentions we do of those tapes in this podcast. <laughs> well, they do come up. Yeah, uh, high triple digits. It's uh, a core memory for our, our monkey fandom. It's an important piece of the puzzle. It really is. But for this and, song, uh, it's uh, that, this tune is on him, and give us a little taste of that uh, the bridge when the music uh, the drops out and it gets, the guitar comes hacking in, and the piano goes dong dong dong. <laughs> it's a great song. Thank. That organ, even when he's singing, he's like, the, and I know that. And it's like that behind him and the droniness yeah. and the echo. I, I, I can definitely understand, like, if someone's like, I love Daydream Believer. Let me hear this song, too, Writing Wrongs. <laughs> it's like them yes. being like, what is this? But like, this is the kind of mic we're into. The psychedelic, sort of lyrical kind of semi-nonsense. It's not, it's, lyrics aren't always about, you know, we're making sense. It's just getting imagery in the listener's head and it's different for everybody. And Mike was good at, uh, giving us some, uh, mind food with the, the lyrics and the music. Yeah. It comes right in with the, the, the title writing wrongs, but it's writing like W R I T. Yeah, man. And so right there, it's like, oh man, this is. This is interesting. And then you hear the song and you're like, whoa, my goodness. It's definitely one of my favorites just in general, just like out of music. <laughs> I love the song Writing Wrongs. For sure. Somehow up ahead of Writing Wrongs at number six, we got St. Matthew. Matthew. 
Nice. She walks around on brass rings that never touch her feet. She speaks in conversations that never are complete. St. Matthew. This was a, to me, this is a, a, a cut from the box set. Like one that stood out to me. Yeah. First time I heard the box set. And uh, again, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting tune. The way the music is behind that. Got that cool bridge. And uh, the, um, again, the fiddles at the beginning. Yeah. Come in with the the wind. Yeah, great tune, great Nez song. It's got the sort of like dark kind of uh, minor key vibe to it. Yeah, it's got the country in- instrumentation, but it's not like a, a chipper country tune. You get the slide guitars going and mm-hmm. everything. It's just it's cool. It's like whimsical. I'd almost put this under. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, like that's typical of um, a monkey's tune that's not on an album, but becomes a favorite of a lot of fans who dig into the stuff. And I'm pretty sure they played it at the show we saw. They did, yeah. Like <laughs> most bands would play a tune that deep on their <laughs> in their catalog, but the monkeys, sure they will, because <laughs> they know people who are buying tickets know that song and would love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody there, they at those shows probably started with the greatest hits, but then pushed well deep in, into the, into the catalog. So they, and they knew that. And that's, that was the great thing about these last tours was like, as much as it was for them, it was for the fans and they knew that and really delivered mm-hmm. every time. All right, with that, we get into our top five Nez tunes here at podcast Ooh. Valley Sunday. We're talking some heavy hitters starting with Papa jeans, blues, there. Papa jeans, blues, Papa Jean's Blues. I have no more than I did before, but now I've got all that I need. For I love you and I know you love me. There it is. Uh, great tune. Fun. This is like the Nesmith, um, like happy country rock versus like the darker <laughs> country rock he does too. Yes. And uh, this is like one of the first songs he ever wrote, right? Apparently, like it was a very early Nez tune that he was playing, like the troubadour and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And again, yeah. it has clever wordplay, the 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 country wink, and uh, a great tune that to get stuck in your head. It's a good uh, good pop tune. Yeah, it's got that Mike Mickey blend. And that neat, the long melody that I have no more than I, and it's all the way through the chorus. It's just so nice. And, um, oh, it's a good tune. Yeah, Mike can write a really good got, love song. It's got the first, of course, of the Mike Nesbeth, uh title ain't in the song kind of songs. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And if it's, if it's Papa Jean with a J on the cover, I think that's like a valuable misprint. But it's Papa Jean with a G. But uh, definitely a song we dug mm-hmm. from early watching the show and uh, and on my mom's records. Yeah, and he's also got like that uh, play magic fingers. Play magic fingers. <laughs> of course. Like a funny little Mike Adlib and stuff like that. And then he, he whoops it up during the solo as well. Ticket Luther, I think he says. Yeah. Yeah, he says that after the, 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 the woo. Oh, kick it, Luther. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Up uh, number four, this was a, during a very productive time for psychedelic Mike. Was a tapioca tundra. What a song this is! Like. One thing I think I hope people look at with these 10 songs is the difference in these songs. So people yeah. only talk about, oh yeah, he did really good country rock, country rock, country rock. But he also did really good 
psychedelic, really good straight up rock. Like for real, great stuff. And and Tapioca Tundra is another one that when we were growing up, it's like, ooh, I really like this song, but I think it's just us. Like no one else really likes this song. But then when you go to these shows and when he whips out Tapioca Tundra in like that new kind of jazzy way they played it, yeah, uh, the place goes crazy. And then you realize like, oh shoot, no more people than I thought. Like like this is a, a crowd <laughs> fave, and as well it yeah, should man. be. Like you said, it was one of the songs in the box set on the Mickey disc, the yellow disc that yeah. was like, whoa, it's like a bunch of songs like this on this box set that ain't nobody's heard. Oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, one thing we'll throw in here because of Tapioca Tundra, there's a guy from Canada. His name is Rick White. He was in a band called Eric's Trip and he's got oh, a, yeah. a, a project. And when Mike passed away he's one of the the rock and roll dudes that put out a thing that i did not see coming like rick white mm-hmm. would be a mike nesmith fan but he put out three nesmith covers and one of them was tapioca tundra and it's fantastic it's on Bandcamp. it's the rick white archive if you can check it out it's it's yeah, awesome man. that's a great example of what i was talking about earlier yeah. the, the monkeys fans coming out of everywhere that brings us up to number three on our all Nez countdown is You Just May Be The One. All men must have someone, have someone who never take advantage of the love bright as the sun. Someone to understand them, and you just may be the one. Uh, it's one of the tunes from the show that didn't show up on the first two albums, and I was like, where's the song on these records? And it's, you know, makes you go digging to try to find more Monkeys records. Yada, 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 here we are. I think it was on Missing Links Volume 2. It uh, The show version didn't show up until Missing Links, but uh, the boys took it to the studio themselves and it appears on headquarters with them playing it. I prefer the show version. It just sounds like got more reverb and stuff on it. I think it's kind of neat. And it's also, and I got to talk to Mike Nesmith about this, was uh, this is one of the earliest songs when I was watching Mike play a guitar and like, oh, that looks like a D chord. Oh, that looks like an A. That looks like an E. I bet I could play this song. And you just start playing along with the TV. Like... <laughs> Very formative experience for a dude like me. Yeah. For me, it's also on the Monkees Live 1967. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And and at the beginning, I think when Mike sings it, he like bumps into something. So his voice kind of finds the the note kind of at the very, very beginning. But it's also one yeah, that they could play as a group live. Again, another example of his being able to write a solid pop song. Yeah, man. 100%. Right. So, so good. So you've got like Writing Wrongs, Tapioca Tundra, and, and then You Just May Be The One, all coming yeah. from Mike within the same kind of time period. Yeah, getting the tunes on the album and also getting them in the show. Yeah. And... Uh, People obviously digging them, and uh, the boys seem to have a good time when they're playing them, too. Yeah, it's great times. Uh, number two on our Nez countdown, we got Listen to the Band. Play the drum a little louder, tell me I can live louder if I only listen to the band. Listen to the band. A major one, obviously. Um... I, we should have looked up the set list for the uh, Greek theater show, like the last ever monkey show, to see what the last Nez song was. But this had to be pretty close to it, I would assume. It was always near the end of the show. If he played it on that night, which I assume he did. Because even in his book, Infinite Tuesday, he talks about Listen to the Band and how that was the first song that made him realize he could lead a band and go beyond what where he was. Essentially, the first national band was was uh, created in recording. Listen to the band. Real quick, the last show. Uh, good, clean, fun. Last train to Clarksville. The kind of girl I could love. Different drum. Sunny girlfriend. Mary, Mary. You just may be the one. For Pete's sake. Randy Scouse get. Love is only sleeping. 
birth of an accidental hipster. St. Matthew, as we go along. Pleasant Valley Sunday. Porpoise Song. While I Cry. Papa Jean's Blues. The Girl I Knew Somewhere. A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You. Tapioca Tundra. Auntie's Municipal Court. Going Down. Sweet Young Thing. Stepping Stone. Daydream Believer. Listen to the Band. I'm a Believer. Holy cow. That's a fucking knockout of a show. Oh, man. There's... No bummer parts, but at one point it just takes off and it's just like, bam, 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 bam. While I cry being one of them is shocking, actually. I wouldn't have seen that coming. They did not play Dorn to Summer. Yeah, that's, yeesh. I would have been bummed. <laughs> 16 out of 27 songs are like written by or sung mostly by Mike. Wow. That's impressive. Over half the set. Wow. That would have been a show. Yeah, no, man. But no. So, yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, the last three actual Mike songs were Auntie's Municipal Court, Sweet Young Thing, and Listen to the Band. Hmm. Yeah, Listen to the Band, it's um, it's on that uh, original Monkey's Greatest Hits, mm-hmm. and uh, part of that gateway to getting into more of this, you know, ooh, it's kind of different, kind of cool, and <laughs> another song we figured out how to play and sing, and I think we... Played it on your old karaoke machine once or twice. Yeah, I believe we played it perfectly, and it sounded spot on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think you're like, I was like, whoa, are you listening to the Monkees' Greatest Hits again? I'm like, yeah, no, dude, that's us. Oh, yeah. I hear it now. <laughs> I wonder how it actually sounded. I do Let's remember not wonder too thinking hard. it was horrible. <laughs> but hey, look who put us on the path. Yep. The goddamn monkeys. That's right, folks. It's very true. Very true. Yeah, listen to the band was a big, <laughs> big song for us early on. All right, so it uh, leads us to our numero uno song on our all Nez countdown. Can you guess what it is, Paco? I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's Circle Sky, folks. Circle, Circle Sky. Now, this is another great example of Mike being like rock and roll Mike. Like, here, man, this is this is going to drive you right in <laughs> to, to rock town, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, man. And I, I, Giddy up. This is one I brought to my guitar teacher when I was taking guitar lessons in high school. And I was like, I'd like to learn this song. And he's like, who is this? I'm like, this is the monkeys. Like, this is the monkeys? <laughs> like, yeah. And it's a song I can still play. It's not that hard, but it's a... Uh, <laughs> but it's great it's a great song first time i ever heard it was uh it was a was it on the box set or no no it wasn't it was on missing links volume two so first time oh, i heard there's the movie version is on the box set. it is the live version okay and um the the tape one has that weird like studio version of it that you almost never hear anywhere ever i remember when we heard the the, the head tape and it was on it it was like oh this is interesting because all we had ever heard was the live version and and the studio version is good but the live version is way better like even the bass peter on the bass that boom 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 is fantastic that's not in the studio version oh yeah they're tearing it up yeah it's so great it's a great performance it looks cool. They're on the white, all wearing white. Mike's got that white mm-hmm. SG of his. And, uh, and this is like uh, pretty much the peak of their powers. <laughs> the movie hasn't bombed yet because they're still making it. Yeah. And uh, they're probably really at that uh, let's, we could do anything kind of um, stage of the monkeys. Yeah. A brief moment. Yeah. Like similar to that brief moment when they went to London and the record was number one and then a month later Sergeant Pepper came out is like <laughs> done. Just like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the, the bummer thing about things like that is it makes the awesome memory kind of sour because you're like, and then this happened. But at the time you don't know that's gonna happen, so you're just happy about it. 
Yeah, man. It's it's crazy to think about. It's, it's try to put put yourself in that moment. Yeah. Back before Sgt. Pepper came out. And like, holy crap, the monkeys are amazing. They're really a band and all this. And then that that hype gets overtaken by something else. Yeah. In in, in the biggest way in rock music, anything has taken <laughs> over anything. Sgt. Pepper took over everything. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, there's no more culturally important album. It's it's not even the best Beatles album, but it's it's so so important. Yeah, exactly. It's uh We're not here to talk about the monkeys. I mean, we're not we're here to talk about the monkeys, not the Beatles, folks. Yes. So there you have it, folks. Our top ten Nesmith songs from our random at a countdown. Good uh good collection of tunes, wouldn't you say, Pago? I man, that is a great that's a great top ten. I'd say even the stuff that we haven't pulled yet, I'll be shocked if it if it I, cracks up. <laughs> I wonder makes I for sure. I wonder what's left, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, you gotta stay tuned, Jeff. Keep checking in every two weeks. Well, that kind of brings us to the end. It's almost like I don't want to end the show because it's the end of we have to <sighs> face the reality of uh what the past uh whatever eight days has, has given us yeah well it's you know it's not the end of uh us talking about mike for sure obviously and uh it's uh it's very feel strange feels different but it's also uh it's not the end of his influence and uh we'll keep listening to the tunes and keep watching the show and uh, keep enjoying his stuff and it's bummed we won't get to talk to him again but i'm glad we did 100 at least once you know yeah uh, i'm so happy we did and i'm so happy that our experiences were as great as they were yeah man and um one i don't want to say one good thing that came out of it but the one the one good thing that came out of it was it did show mike's influence and how far reaching and who looked up to mike and who liked mike and all that stuff and it really it's been pretty validating for sure. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Very validating and very fantastic just to kind of know we're not alone in this tiny little monkey's pocket of fans. It's like, <laughs> no, it goes much bigger than I thought it did. And Mike's influence sure. went much farther than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. But well, Yeah, I miss, miss him already, man. Isn't that it, man? Like, is Because we actually got to chat with him and we've said like, there's no way he'd remember us and be like, oh yeah, those guys, I remember them. But you know, it, at the time he made it feel like he would remember us, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, like you saw what, what I asked about you, I asked him, he's like, oh yeah, Paco. <laughs> yeah. And he remembered you. You don't forget the Paco. Yeah. <laughs> For good or ill. <laughs> but, but it's infamous. It's, it, meeting him and having that moment, I think made this even more like, holy smokes, I can't believe I can't believe I still can't believe it happened, to be honest. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. But so Monkeys fans, uh, and Nesmith fans know you're not alone. We're all out there. We're all together in this. And uh we hope you enjoyed this this episode. It was uh again, like we say, kind of thrown together. And uh, a couple times we oh, might yeah. We had we had to say something. Yeah, there's no way. If it imagine we just didn't acknowledge it, and everyone is like, "What the hell, guys? <laughs> He's dead." <laughs> what? Yeah, we just don't know about it. So, monkeys fans, we uh, it's the holiday season is upon us, and uh, we're gonna end 2021 with this special Nesmith Memorial episode. We will be back in 2022. The beginning of 2022, getting back into the second season of the show. We're in the home stretch. Things are getting zany. Oh, yeah. We're about to get more guest stars. And uh, it's going to be something else, kids. So we all hope you have a, a a monkey little Christmas. We hope you have a monkey New Year. And have, happy birthday, Dave and Mike. Yes, exactly. Yes. So from me, Paco. And me, Jeff. Have yourselves a Nesmith little evening. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. What you do 
If I ever stayed with you, they told me that you'd laugh while I cried. They told me what you'd say, that you'd turn and walk away.